Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. It's been 3,380 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27th, 2014 and 461 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened, well, over the weekend, in the Russia-Ukraine War. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, Russia launched its largest missile attack since March 9, 2023, with up to 40 KH-101, KH-555 cruise missiles and over 125 standoff weapons in a 36-hour period over the weekend. In our assessment, the Kremlin appears to believe the information in the leaked Pentagon documents that Ukraine would be critically low on air defense resources by June. Second, these attacks continue to have little success due to the targeting of civilians and civilian infrastructure, the poor intelligence-gathering abilities of the Russian Federation Armed Forces, and their inability to overwhelm ever-improving Ukrainian air defenses. Third, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Fourth, current weather models indicate soil conditions will become favorable for large-scale military operations by June 5th. Fifth, we've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Sixth, while Russian forces are continuing limited localized attacks in the Dvorichna, Siversk, and Marinka operational areas, the decreasing number of attacks and increased use of artillery indicates that Russian forces are in a defensive posture and waiting for Ukraine to launch its offensive. Seventh, anger and frustration among Russian state media, propagandists, mill bloggers, and residents of the oblasts that border Ukraine continues to swell due to the Kremlin's inability to respond to continued border incursions, with growing criticism of Russian President Vladimir Putin and Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu. Eighth, 
Despite being declared the commander of all Russian forces in Ukraine, Chief of Staff for the Russian Federation Armed Forces Valery Gerasimov has been nearly invisible, while outlasting all previous Russian generals given the responsibility of capturing the Donbass. Ninth, assigning a person deep within Putin's inner circle, such as Gerasimov, to oversee Russian military operations in Ukraine makes it near impossible for President Putin to dismiss him despite continued failures to achieve critical military objectives. Tenth, we assess that Russian Chief of Staff Gerasimov and Defense Minister Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and honestly, refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. And finally, Private military company or PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin continues to escalate his war of words with the Kremlin, criticizing Russian President Vladimir Putin as rumors in the Russian information space swirl that Prigozhin has further political ambitions or is planning a coup. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. On May 28th, reports of a Russian advance south of Masyutivka came into alignment, and based on the intelligence from both Ukrainian and Russian sources, we adjusted the map to record an advance in the direction of Liman Pirshi. Fighting continued in the area of Masyutivka, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported fighting between surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG, units in Liman Pirshi confirming our prior assessment that the village has not been under full Russian control. Deep State reported that Russian forces have numerical superiority in troops and drones and are using human wave tactics and drone-delivered IEDs to support their localized offensive operations. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Beristove. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces made limited attacks on Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, supported by the Russian Air Force, or VKS, and were unable to advance to new positions. In occupied Luhansk, the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, reported that Almazna was hit by three rockets fired by HIMARS, and alleged three civilians were killed and seven wounded. We cannot independently verify their claim. In northeast Donetsk, in the Solidar operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to counterattack northeast of orikhovo vasilivka and were unsuccessful. In northwest Bakhmut, there was conflicting information about fighting in the area of Hromove, with the GSAFU reporting that a Russian attack, quote, toward the settlement was unsuccessful, Deep State reporting only positional fighting, and Wargonzo reporting some success advancing from Bakhmut, quote, in the direction of Khomova during positional fighting. We did not adjust the map. In Bakhmut, PMC Wagner released another video, this time almost four minutes long, as proof they were in control of Bakhmut at the start of their withdrawal. But ultimately, it really kind of proved that they weren't. The first location of the video was at Korsunskoho and Ivana Ivkina streets, east of school number two in the southwestern part of Bakhmut. Wagner mercenaries have operated in this area since March 2023, 
And there continue to be no videos showing Russian-aligned forces moving in the area where the MiG-17 statue used to be. The next location was on Shiroka Street, adjacent to the Avanhard Stadium, in the operational green zone for Russian-aligned troops. The final location was at Ukroposhta 84560 on Tchaikovsky Street, southwest of the medical college. There has been no evidence that Russian-aligned troops have a firm hold on the buildings west of Yuvelena Street. In contrast, Ukrainian sources released a video showing they were shelling the apartment blocks adjacent to School 40, indicating the buildings had again come under Russian occupation. Assessment here. Both videos align with our current war map, and based on the most recent intelligence, we maintain that Ukrainian forces hold approximately 1.5 square kilometers of Bakhmut, or a little over half a square mile, roughly 2.8% of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, Ukrainian and Russian sources reported that Russian-aligned troops attempted to regain lost positions south of Ivanivska in the direction of the Seversky Donetsk-Donbass Canal, and were unsuccessful. Ukrainian forces continued to press Russian-aligned troops holding defensive positions northwest of Klishivka, and another attempt by Russian troops to improve positions west of the canal in the direction of Pretechne failed. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, confirmed our earlier assessment that military units from the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, are being rotated into Bakhmut for its defense. This is the fourth time since February 2022 that the Russian MOD ordered the withdrawal of troops or reserve forces from the Avdiivka operational area into other regions. The previous redeployments were in May 2022, October 2022, and March 2023. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin mocked Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov, sarcastically claiming that the Russian Federation armed forces were preparing to launch a massive attack out of Bakhmut in the directions of Kramatorsk and Chasivyar, and that great success would happen in one lightning blow. Maybe. He also hinted that the Russian military was unprepared to take control of Bakhmut, saying, quote, As I said, our plans include going to field camps before June 1st. We may not have time to hand over everything in a good way, in a full-fledged form, to the military, so it will probably take a few more days. Conditionally, from June 5th, the military will receive operational scope for an offensive in a westerly direction. As the Minister of Defense has already said, after the capture of Bakhmut, operational space will open up. The operational space is open, and the Russian army has every opportunity to launch a colossal offensive in the near future with the capture of Kramatorsk, Slovyansk, Druzhivka, Kostantinivka, Chasivyar, that is, the Donbass Ring. After the Donbass Ring, or in parallel with it, it was written in our referendum that Kherson, Zaporizhia, Luhansk, and Donetsk regions are part of the Russian Federation. So I am sure that our Red Banner Army will reach the borders of these regions. Well, then it will be necessary to clarify. I don't think that this is a complicated process. This will be done within the framework of one meeting, whether there will be an offensive, lightning-fast, decisive throw towards the Dnipro in order to put our units on the left bank of the Dnipro. That would be back in the city of Kherson. I think that everything is within our power. The enemy will be defeated. Victory will be ours. As far as I understand, this is what Dmitry Peskov said. So... Everything fits into the general logic and goals of the special operation. End quote.
In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, Russian-aligned forces, once again trying to advance on Pervomaisky from the south, did what comes naturally and suffered heavy losses and then returned to their defensive positions. Some assessment? Not only do the Mobik-supplemented ranks of the 1st Army Corps and PMC Storm Z Project K penal units need to cross open terrain in daylight assaults against better-armed Ukrainian defensive positions, but the failure to capture the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske, but the failure to capture the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske also puts Russian troops under Ukrainian fire control from three directions during these attacks. In our assessment, Russian military commanders were likely hoping for more impact on Ukrainian ground lines of communication, called GLOX, those are supply lines, from destroying the Karlovsky Reservoir Dam in Karlivka, which simply didn't materialize. Despite the limited impact and a clear bypass route to the north of the reservoir, Russian commanders continued to move forward with ad hoc attacks, wasting both equipment and personnel. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it. In occupied Donetsk, Ukrainian forces launched missile attacks on Russian positions in Nikolske and Volnovakha. There were Russian and Ukrainian reports about the strike in Nikolske, likely from a Storm Shadow cruise missile, with limited information on the situation in Volnovakha. We cannot independently verify the impact of the strikes. Moving on to Zaporizhia, Storm Shadow cruise missile struck the Berdyansk area at least three times. Russian troop positions in Yurivka near Berdyansk were hit. There are multiple reports of significant Russian casualties, which we cannot independently verify. In Novopetrivka, one cruise missile hit a Russian training ground and a second hit a Russian barracks at a former recreation center. The personnel of the Russian Armed Forces was stationed there, according to the exiled deputy chairman of the Berdyansk District Council, Viktor Dudukhalov, identifying the Chimik and Vesna recreation centers as the targets. Later in the day, the Azovkabel plant in Berdyansk was struck for the second time in less than a week. Our assessment that there would be no provocation at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant was accurate, with no change in plant operations or radiation levels reported. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Ukrainian Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that six vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol on Sunday, including two frigates capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles. Severe weather produced urban, street, and stream flooding in Odessa and the surrounding areas as thunderstorms continued to move across the southern and eastern parts of Ukraine. As part of one of the largest drone and missile attacks of 2023, debris from a shot-down Shahed-136 kamikaze drone landed in the port of Odessa, causing a fire. The drone flying in the area of the port directly violates the Black Sea Grain Initiative. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 61 fire missions on Free Kherson on May 28th, firing 300 artillery rounds, mortars, grad, and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, with the city of Kherson targeted six times and hit by 26 munitions. One civilian was wounded in Bereslav by the Russian VKS, which dropped at least two Fab 500 SE UPMK glide bombs on the city. 
In Khmelnytsky, Starokorstyantaniv Air Base was hit by at least one Russian drone or cruise missile on the west end of the airfield, destroying five unspecified drones and setting fire to fuel, lubricants, and material. In the Lviv region, a Russian cruise missile damaged by Ukrainian air defenses crashed near a farm, with the warhead detonating on impact. It carved a massive crater into the earth near an outbuilding, which burned down. Serhii Sukhomlin, the mayor of Zhytomyr, reported a Russian Shahed-136 kamikaze drone struck civilian infrastructure with no casualties reported. In north and northeast Ukraine, Ukrainian officials updated information from the May 27th through 28th drone attack, reporting 59 drones were launched at Ukraine, 58 at Kyiv, all of which were intercepted. The 59th struck Zhytomyr. Eighteen hours later, Russia launched another wave of cruise missiles and drones, primarily at Kyiv, over a four-hour period during the evening of May 28th. Up to 40 KH-101, KH-555 cruise missiles were launched by 10 Tu-95 strategic bombers that flew from Murmansk to the Caspian Sea. An estimated 35 Shahed-136 kamikaze drones were also launched, although the missile and drone number should be considered tentative. The Ukrainian Air Force reported 37 cruise missiles and 29 drones were intercepted. Spotty damage was reported in Kyiv, but there were no reports of electrical, internet, or water outages or significant casualties, providing insight that the impact was minor considering how many standoff weapons were used. In the past 36 hours, Russia has launched over 115 drones and cruise missiles towards Kyiv, with little impact on the city. Russian reports that the headquarters of the Ukrainian Security Service, or SBU, was destroyed in the drone strike on May 27th are false. Some assessment. The consumption rate of cruise missiles and Shahed-136 drones is entirely unsustainable. With Russian forces launching 317 of the Adanian-sourced kamikaze UAVs in May, more than all launches from January to April combined. There are no indications that Ukrainian air defenses are constrained by limited ammunition, despite claims in the leaked Pentagon documents that Ukraine would be critically low on air defense resources by June. The Kremlin appears to be testing the theory, despite outwardly saying they didn't believe any of the information leaked by Massachusetts Air National Guardsman Jack Teixeira from January to March 2023 on the Thug Shaker Central Discord server. On the Russian front, Bilgorod Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov attempted to visit Shebikino, but was blocked due to ongoing artillery strikes, described as the most intense since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine and reportedly killed a Russian civilian. Quote, The first time, having entered the city, they came under fire. I couldn't even get out of the car. Shells exploded in the next street. End quote. Telegram channel Cheka OGPU reported that local officials in the Bilgorod region were negotiating with PMC Wagner to sign a contract to create company-sized rapid response units to deal with future border incursions by Russian partisans or a Ukrainian attack. Because PMCs are illegal within Russia, state officials told Bilgorod region authorities that no such agreement is possible. The Kremlin refuses to arm up to 3,000 territorial guards, leaving the Ministry of Internal Affairs, which is essentially the police, as a supplemental force to the border service, 
and the Territorial Guard's main offensive weapon, the ability to yell Blyat. In Krasnodar Krai, Russian officials reported that the oil refinery in Ilsky, 174 kilometers east of the Crimean Bridge, was attacked by, quote, several drones, the third attack this month. All drones were reportedly shot down, with debris landing in the diesel fuel production area. In Bryansk, according to Russian sources, anti-Putin Russian partisans crossed the border near Sushani and Brovnichi and engaged in localized battles between DRG units. Local officials initiated the Edelweiss Protocol, which activates the entirety of the Ministry of Internal Affairs. Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB-run state media channel MASH, reported that area residents were forced to hide in basements due to the ongoing fighting and artillery strikes. Near Klimovsky, a Ukrainian kamikaze drone struck a Russian Ministry of Defense vehicle on May 27th, killing two soldiers instantly. The administrative building of the oil pipeline near Litvinovo in the Piskov region, 475 kilometers from the Ukrainian border, was hit by two kamikaze drones, damaging the facility but causing no casualties, according to Piskov regional governor Mikhail Vedernikov. There were multiple reports of an overnight attack on Moscow with anywhere between 5 and 33 drones last night. We'll talk about it tomorrow when more information is available. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.